You are listening to the Therefore I Geek podcast, episode 106. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore I Geek. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kong. I'm going to beat my chest. Uh, ow, 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 ow. I was, doing, I was doing chest workouts yesterday. That was a bad idea. Yeah, it, it looks like it. Sounds like it every, you know. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> Why'd I do that? Because, right, yeah, I don't know. I got to be creative. I'm, crea- I'm a creative type. Suffering artist and being creative. Hey, folks. All right, so today we are going to be talking about Kong Skull Island. <laughs> Kong. But, but before we get into that, there is a few things we're going to talk about. There's we got news. News. We have another, another cover controversy. I gotta love cover controversies. We've got some controversies surrounding Stan Lee. Interesting, strange, and health news. Yep. So, dude, why don't we just start off with the cover controversy? Okay, let's go right to this Vampirella thing. So, this was actually from last month, and we picked it up over at our friends over at Bleeding Cool, who aren't technically our friends. We just like reading the site. Yeah. I don't think they know we exist, but I consider people who don't know I exist friends also. Well, it's because people who know you exist don't like you. That is exactly true. (laughs) That is exactly true. So Vampirella is a comic book character who started out as like a kind of a host for like other stories and then got her own story and it was on the Harris line. And I have a few of those. They're quite good. And now Dynamite has picked it up. So there is this cover. I think it was another like variant cover for Vampirella. And if you look at it, we'll post it in the show notes. It is super, super pulpy, right? Hardcore pulp, late 30s, early 40s style art. It's fairly cool. And apparently it kicked up a controversy because of a few things that were in in the text of the cover such as, quote, she was a he, I found out the hard way, exclamation point, and, quote, lured into lust by lipstick and lumber, my wife's lesbian shame, unquote. And Twitter went kind of bananas over it and got angry, and we've seen these controversies before. So there's nothing new here. This is, we've seen this before. This is almost getting boring. But what I did find interesting, the reason why I want to bring it up is because the man who drew it, uh, or created the cover, a man named Jimmy Broxton, who I have no familiarity with do you know who this guy is no i i I in general don't have a whole lot of familiarity with a lot of what dynamite's doing i don't either i have a a handful of their stuff like they did the man with no name series they did some john carter on mars stuff but i'm not they hit a lone ranger series yeah, I'm not, I'm not opposed to Dynamite. Just, there's not a whole lot of their stuff that I follow. No, I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. But what was interesting, this guy named Jimmy Broxton, who also apparently was named Hodgkins, Jim, James Hodgkins, wrote a, fairly, a fairly strong worded st- or statement or series of statements. And it goes something like this. Quote, first Batgirl, then Spider-Woman, and more recently Iron Man. And I don't know what he's referring to when he says more recently Iron Man. There was you... a, yeah, so there was a, so there's a new, a cover for Iron Man because basically they've, they've swapped out characters on Iron Man and it is now a young female character oh. in the, oh, in I, the I Iron do. Man suit. Okay. And there was a Midtown Comics variant that had her with a like a crop top shirt, like a low, like not like a low cut, like a shirt that's kind of cut, cut kind of short, showing her stomach. Right. And they felt that for a younger character, that was inappropriate. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. And I guess I would have also added, we talked about Wonder Woman a few months ago here also. Yes. Anyway, so he continues. All comics featuring variant covers that kicked up a bit of fuss. It seems my variant cover for Vampirella number three is next on the infamous list. It has upset a few folks. Four of them, as far as I can know, could be more. I'm solely responsible for the cover. It was my idea, my art, and my cover copy. And I assume cover copy refers to the text that's on it. And then he continues because he's responding to other comments. Shane has it right. there, And there is no bigotry on display. It lampoons all those outdated notions with humor. It in no way condones or legitimizes abhorrent views. Anyone who thinks it does is wrong. 
I created the cover. I know my intents, my intentions were, and I make absolutely no apology uh, for it whatsoever. If a few people are offended, so what? Also, for the record, the woman is not trans. She is female. Trolls who kicked off this nonsense got that wrong. Because one of the, there's Vampirella on the cover, and then there's this woman, uh, parent woman, who kind of looks like Donald Trump, yeah. dressed up in like the old school Nazi style stuff. And again, it was all very late 30s, early 40s pulp, because the Nazis were your favorite, like, bad guy back then, and even today. Yeah, and I was going to say, yeah, looking at the face, it does have a, a Donald Trump kind of feel. And then at the very the, end, the guy who wrote the article says that, uh, although he admits he's like, I may just be saying that, seeing that face everywhere right now. You know, and I, and I kind of saw it also. And then finally, for the record, as a sole individual for this, I do not apologize. I have nothing, absolutely nothing to apologize for. Personally, I think Paul and Dynamite should have risen above this nonsense and ignored the trolls who kicked it off and certainly did not want them to apologize on my behalf. And that being said, everyone else can do say whatever they like, and that's just how I roll. So certainly I agree with the sentiment that the artist is putting out there. Now, and I think it is fair for him to make this comment if people were apologizing for, for his behalf, because if there's one thing I know, I hate it when people talk for me. Like, that stuff drives me nuts. Um, yeah, I mean, then, I, I will say, it, it, it seems like there's kind of a recurring theme here of the writer suddenly throwing the artist under the bus. It is very strange. I, I wondered about that because we saw the same thing with at least something similar to this with, with Wonder Woman, where it's just the two of them just are not getting along. And rather than just creative differences and parting ways, which I'm certain happens all the time, now it's got to be this public hubbub where we've got to pick strange ideological lines to be on the opposite sides of. Yeah. It's very weird. And then finally, the writer, Paul Cornell, again, another guy I'm not familiar with. So with apologies to our fan base who knows who this is, he came out on Twitter and said, Jimmy Braxton just come out with his own statement about Vampirella. I totally disagree with him and didn't know he felt that way. Next tweet, not every artist one's one works with is a close friend. I had no idea Jimmy felt that way. I heard today. Continuing, I finished writing for Vampirella weeks ago, but this will be the last time I work with Jimmy Broxton. And then people just say, I don't like him. I don't like him. I don't like him. He agrees. Now, Mr. Cornell did not exactly state what his argument was or his problem was with, with the artist. So I can't we can't really comment on it. But truth is, this is just weird. And we've seen this enough times where it is getting boring, because I think when we were prepping for this, you were like, I'm getting tired of these stories. Yeah, no, I absolutely am. Yeah, at this point, it's, I don't I, Part of it is I don't know what we're what we're gonna do about this, you know. Sure, and I I, I, I agree with that sentiment. I'm getting tired of them because I think these are stupid. I just my, I guess the only thing because this is a cultural issue, right? There's nothing we can actually do about it, right? Other than like as fans call this really stupid, and and just me personally, I think the artist Jimmy Broxton, and I hope I'm saying that right. I I'm a, I'm kind of on board with his sentiment. He's like, this is my art. Truthfully, I look at it, I I, I don't see anything overly objective. Even like he even got the swastika wrong on the, the bad girl's arm in the cover. And I almost feel like that was on purpose. It's like, come on, artists are going to be provocative. This is obviously, for those who understand pulp art from that era, a parody on pulp art from that era. Yeah. Uh, chill out, folks. And and I understand, like, whatever Cornell's beef with Braxton is, I, obviously they didn't know each other very well. I don't know what his problem with Mr. Broxton's statement is other than he's taking responsibility for his art and not backing down. I, I can't knock that. Yeah, I would say my other issue on that one is 
it's Vampirella. Like this is not a character that's that's known for being demure. No, I, I yeah, this is not like one like of, this this yeah, cover guess, seems very fitting for what the book is. Absolutely, and it fits what the character does and what she's known for. This is not a, a kids Spider-Man. This is Vampirella, and, and she's caught flack for her outfit before, but that's this is what she is. And if you don't like it, again, just don't buy it. And I just think culturally, as as geeks who profess to like arts and popular arts, if you don't like it, then you know Mr. Braxton point at the very last his very last statement that I was you know do what you want that's how I roll I would just you know I don't know what we can do about it but I feel like that's the best sentiment we can kind of follow yeah and that's just I I, I would hope this that sentiment kicks on and more artists at least make a good example I think that's the best we can do at this point is set a good example yep so I'm interested in this Stan Lee stuff so Stan Lee is was gonna show up to a convention what's this all about so yeah starting off with the health the health issue. I guess Stanley was scheduled to attend the Big Apple Comic Con in New York, which is it's a little bit different than when we used to attend because you and I attended back in the day. Uh, Big Apple Con was bought out by Wizard World. Said it's back. I, I don't even remember when it came back. I completely forgot about it. It, it, it never really disappeared. Oh, it, I mean, like for like a year or two. But like I said, that was when it was bought out by Wizard World. It just it kind of is one of those things that, that flies under the radar because it's Wizard World now. And mm-hmm. they do, you know, what, 40-something events, I think, every it's, and they all get, you know, blur, blur the same. Right. So That's Stanley true. was supposed to make an appearance, and Stan had to cancel for health reasons. Mm-hmm. So the article was not specific as to what the health reasons were. And, no, this is from comicbook.com. Yep. And, you know, let's be honest, Stan's 94. Now, I, I didn't realize he was that old. He is, remar- he is remarkably active and, and lucid for a 90. 90- year old yeah although if you if you look at some of his appearances lately you know which i haven't well, <laughs> admittedly. so he he's been announcing like final appearances at, at places that's true so uh about six months ago was his final appearance in canada this right, this right. past new york comic-con was his last new york comic-con appearance mm-hmm. because he knows he's he's getting older in his health he's not as, as good a health as he used to be also at, at new york I didn't get to hear this just because I couldn't get close enough, but uh, Tracy was able to, he was, Stan was doing like a, like a live Twitch interview from the con floor. It was really, it was kind of cool, but he was saying Stan from the stage he was on couldn't see the audience. His his eyesight is that poor. Oh, wow. And so there was a, there was a TV monitor next to him, and, and he could see that. Mm-hmm. And so then he could see the audience because he could see the the TV monitor. But yeah, he was like, he, that, like Tracy was telling me about that, about that, and I'm like, hey, that's kind of sad. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he said for, he he has said for years that you know he he can't because he's still he's still helping produce you know and publish stuff. Right. Said, but you know, unless they absolutely need him to read something, like his assistants don't have him read anything. They read it to mm. him. Right. Um, if they have to read it, if he if he absolutely has to read it, he's like they have to print it in like size 48 font like they have to print it huge wow 11 by 17 size 48 yep but this this guy's you know despite the eyesight still you know obviously he can he's not going around on a scooter as far as far as i know he's still very active and nope. you were telling me he's still walking around he he that's he's been doing that forever right he's he's a walker yeah so if you if you listen to interviews with stan about his time living in New York. He loved living in New York. And he used to just walk everywhere. Like if he had an appointment, instead of like taking a cab or something, he would just leave half hour early and just walk to wherever he needed to get. Did didn't matter where in, in, in Manhattan it was. Mm-hmm. That was that was just his thing. That's that's cool. I, I had a I had my, one of my grandparents are like that. And they, they just walked everywhere. Granted, this was Bayonne, but still, it's good for you. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, 
you live, you can live forever, like Stan Lee. Get to ninety-four. Be yeah. walking around, have a good heart. Won't see shit, but yeah, well, go to con. <laughs> you can go to con. So Stan also got in the news again, kind of, kind of a cover controversy, kind of a Twitter controversy. One of these things that just keep popping up. And this was because we are International Women's Day was like four days ago or something like that. Tracy's on strike or something. And there was a we just kicked her off. No, it's fine. Okay. Stan posted a superhero women by Stan Lee on his Twitter, and people who seem to just want to be butt hurt got more butt hurt by this. And it's just a cover of it appears to be uh, from Fantastic Four characters. I mean, you name it. You got it, is that Black it's a, Widow? It's a book. It's a book Sonya? from no, it's a book from 1977 featuring yeah. uh, a few of Marvel's women. Yeah, it, what, that is Red Sonia. That is uh, Miss Marvel. That is Black Widow. There is Hella in the background, and then there is Medu- okay. Medusa and Wasp. Okay. Yeah, so and uh, yeah, and a lot, a lot of the a lot of the comments know. on here. Uh, I'm just gonna kind of read a few of them. Did you make any flat che- flat chested women all hourglass <laughs> figures? Diversity would be great. I feel like these are trolls. Why are they all at least a C cup? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks like, for the sentiment. However, this photo shows how far we have left to go. Again, like to point out, 1977. <laughs> I mean, like, see, these like these sound like trolls to me. Kind of funny, but but come on. Yeah. So the funny part I I, th- I found about this is that you know there's a, there's a big there's a lot of controversy going on the internet, and there has been for a number. A long time with Marvel fans, how much credit Jack Kirby should get and how much credit Stan Lee should get. Right, we I've heard about this. We got to do something on this. We do I'd at be- some point, and I mean in general, I personally I tend to take the middle ground. But what it, what what I find interesting here is that if you're blaming Stan Lee for the way all these women look, you have to acknowledge that Stan Lee played a significant role in their creation. Correct, because who was the other person who played a significant role in their creation? Uh, pretty much all these were Jack Kirby. Right. I think the exception of Red Sonja. Oh, okay. Uh, and actually, Miss Marvel, I... I'd have to go look who it was, but that was not Jack Kirby. I'm not sure who off the top of my head it was. Okay. But but the point is, either Jack play, either sorry, either Stan played a significant role in their creation and is to blame for the way they look, or Stan didn't, or Stan didn't play a significant role and then therefore is not to blame. Right. Just weird. Right, Stan, you, you can't have it both ways. Stan can't be responsible for the way they look, but have played no role in their creation. Exactly. That's why I think the people who are saying this have no idea what the controversy is behind the two. I think they're just lashing out. Yeah. That's why I think this was, this was unlike the, the Vampirella, this is really just people trolling Stan Lee. Yeah, I mean, I think in general it's just dumb. Yeah. I mean, so Stan Lee, and again, this is having written, Having now read more and more Stanley, like early Marvel, mm-hmm. Stanley doesn't write good women. He he doesn't. Just but is he a good writer in general? That was the one thing I've never read a lot of his stuff, so I don't know. Hit and miss. Hit and miss. I see. I, I got to check this out because he's a legend, and I have no idea why. Like I've never read any of his stuff. I mean, I'm just like, is it good? Is it what? Why is this guy so revered? Or is he just the first? Yeah. I, I don't. Know. I don't mean that as a shit poster. I'm like, I don't know. I legit don't know. Right, and that is certainly a more involved conversation than we're looking to have right now. Of course. But, you know, Stan, I give Stan a lot of credit, for, you know, because he does have, you know, incorporates a lot of women and he's better about, you know, things than a lot of comics were at the time. But it was still like comic books in the 1960s. Sure. Like I could in just the, like the first 16 issues of the Avengers, so the original Avengers team, uh-huh. I like I've lost track of the number of times that like a character like Wasp was 
you know, more focused on her appearance than, you know, what's going on or like <laughs> the number of dumb things said. Like there's the, the teenager, Rick Jones, who, who a bunch of the Avengers want to want to bring onto the team and Cap says no. But their justification for wanting to bring Rick on is, hey, we let the woman on. Like, <laughs> hey, Wasp is an, Wasp is an Avenger. Let's let's let Rick on. It's like, yeah, but, but Wasp has to like powers and stuff. Like Rick is just a teenager. <laughs> Rick has the power of hormonal hormonal teenage rage. Right. Yeah, it's one of those like you know th- those those aren't equivalent equivalent states. No, certainly not. So That's fine. I got I got to check yeah. these out. These, all right. So our last topic from Hollywood Reporter, which will lead into our main topic tonight, is. King Kong or Kong of Scott Island. We both got a chance to see it this weekend. And Hollywood Reporter, who we like, our friends over at Hollywood Reporter, who again, who don't know we exist, uh, wrote, had an article, Is It Time to Reconsider or Rethink Peter Jackson's King Kong? Now, we're not going to go through the whole article here. We're just going to use this as a jumping off point. Uh, I saw it 12 years ago. It's a three-hour self-indulgent schlock fest. I don't think we need to reconsider it at all. I think it it, it's, it's, it stands the test of time as being crappy, as far as I'm concerned. And, and I never even saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, there you go. The answer, no. But luckily, we have a new Kong that we both saw this weekend called Kong Skull Island, which I found to be a fairly strange title. I thought it was like Kong of Skull Island, but it's like Kong colon Skull Island. Yeah, yeah that part's a little weird. A little weird. Didn't, didn't quite get it. But this one's interesting because it is set in 1973 as opposed to 33, 34. And I mean, the setting is very different. Basically, you have this group called Monarch, who we saw in the first in the legendary Godzilla film from 2014, looking for monsters. And it's headed up by uh, our best friend, who doesn't also doesn't know we exist, John Goodman, Walter from Big Lebowski, trying to find monsters because he was a sailor on a Navy ship that was attacked by a monster. And he's trying to prove these monsters exist. And he somehow talks a senator into funding an expedition for him and another company. And they get air cavalry unit to go into Skull Island and they drop seismic charges on the island, which are basically bombs. And that pisses off King Kong. He knocks down all their helicopters and then the adventure begins. So what were what were your impressions of this? Did you enjoy this one? What do you think? It's all right. Yeah. I would would say it's probably like 65% really cool and 35% stupid. Yeah. I mean, we're basically in the same. I would have gone maybe 75% cool, 25% stupid because there were some seriously stupid things in this movie. Yes. But it was fun. No, it was it was fun. The action moved pretty well. You know, the performance didn't waste our time. No, performances were pretty good in general. In general. Yeah. In general. In general. And yes, let's just start with the cast because you got Tom Hiddleston, Sam Jackson, Brie Larson, John C. Riley, John Goodman. Those are kind of the big names that we have. And then we have Corey Hawkins, John Ortiz, Tai Jin. Because again, we're going to try and get that Chinese market. Yep. And, she, and she's been in a few things. I'm just going to click on her real quick because I've seen her before. Uh, I've, I've seen her in a few. I feel like I've seen her in like a bunch of other stuff, but I'm looking at her filmography and I'm wrong. Oh, well. <laughs> Never mind. I thought I saw her in a bunch of other stuff. Haven't. So, yeah, I thought the performances overall were pretty good. I'm just not a fan of Tom Hiddleston. I'm just not. I don't I don't get him. I like him in general. I think his character in this was kind of meh. Yeah, but I've I've always been just lukewarm on him in general. Like I like him in general, but I don't like him specifically. <laughs> like well, I didn't I didn't, remember, I didn't have any problems with his performance in this. It just the character like it wasn't it wasn't anything special and the character wasn't particularly interesting. No, certainly not. And then you had Sam Jackson as this like alpha male warrior colonel who just basically was doing Sam Jackson. Yeah, although it wasn't it wasn't great Sam Jackson either. No. Uh, well, certainly not like Sam Jackson turned up like, you know, Tarantino Jackson, but still fun. Yeah. At least for me. Yeah, it was fun. It just, 
Yeah, a little, little uh, over the top. Very, yeah, totally. But for some reason, I, I let I can give Sam Jackson a lot of a lot of leeway. I, yeah, a lot of leeway when he goes over. Then we have Brie Larson, the lovely Brie Larson. She's gonna make a great Captain Marvel. Yes. Like watching her in this, because last movie I saw her in was Room, and I'm like, I don't quite see it. But this, I'm like, ah, I get it now. Yep. I get it. Well, now. I mean, I always go back to Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> right. She. It, what was she? She was the Envy. Her, Envy. That was her name. Yeah, Scott's ex-girlfriend. Yeah, you headbutted my girl, my boyfriend into change. Uh, and then John C. Riley, who I really like. I like in every. I like him in everything. I think he's. I I enjoy John C. Riley this much more than I thought. I thought I was going to. I didn't necessarily like some of the writing around John C. Riley. Well, let's be fair. The script is not particularly good. It's it's in terms of like like you said the writing around the characters. Well, like there was a in particular what I'm thinking of is there was there was a very dramatic moment when they were talking about Kong and and the 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 lizard things in the yeah. t- in the temple and they had they had built up a, a, a decently suspenseful dramatic moment mm-hmm. and then and right in the middle of that they they decided to throw in like uh like an improv joke it yeah feels like it feels like like a almost a will ferrell style joke i was thinking more along the like um seth rogan kind of joke oh yeah I, like a judd apatow style yes yeah i got which, you. which yeah. i don't particularly care for but in general wh- whether or not it's by taste or not that was the wrong time for that joke yeah so it's interesting you mentioned that because we could talk about this the movie kind of does that in a few spots where they build up like really dramatic moments and then hit you with like an anticlimax. Yeah, and then shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, and, and I think it was on purpose and it really is how you handle that, is how you feel about you know, it's how it, you're going to feel about them. Like, to me, I thought it was kind of funny. It didn't bother me that much, but I can see where you're like, uh, what kind of movie are we making here? Well, and like in, in other places, it's fine because you can, you can diffuse the tension a little bit. Right. Like, but that was like a really good tense spot like where you don't want to I, diffuse the tension, you want to keep building, and then it was like left turn, and then they went back to tension. Right, I get, I get it. No, because that that's true. I feel like you're saying basically you were digging that scene, and then it was like, oh, this was not placed right. Yeah, I don't. I, I honestly it. don't even have a huge problem with the joke itself. Sure. I just think you could have placed it somewhere else. No, that's 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 fair. That's fair. I actually, what I really dug about it was just the overall look of this film. Like, it definitely had. They were definitely going for like an apocalypse now type feel. Platoon. They were like. We're going to kind of make this a Vietnam War film with a giant monkey. No, you know, I was actually thinking about that, especially there's a couple of like the distance shots when they're walking through like the jungle and stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. this feels like a Vietnam movie with a with monsters, which, yeah, which was cool. Just, and like the mu- I appreciated it, the score they chose, like the music they chose, mm-hmm. the soundtrack. That was that was a beautifully done. Yeah, I thought that I'll call it all that Vietnam era stuff. Yep. I thought that was pretty cool. Apparently somebody in a review pointed out this movie is they play Black Sabbath at one point when they're when they're flying in. And apparently somebody pointed out that this movie takes place a year before Black Sabbath formed as a band. Oops. Oops. Still thought it was pretty good though. <laughs> yeah. No, and I so what did you think of Kong himself, the character design of Kong? This was the reason why I bring it up is cuz King Kong, the Peter Jackson King Kong was like a gorilla, right? Full on just a gorilla big. In this one he is much more the classic Kong where he is upright, bipedal, almost like human shaped. He doesn't look like a classic gorilla. Did you did that bother you or do you think ah that's just Kong? No, I was I was fine with that. It's fine with me too. I was I was perfectly fine with that. I, I think I think the look of Kong was was just fine. The mm-hmm. the lizard things weird, they, right? Eh, yeah. I was kind of only kind of lukewarm on those. I thought they were kind of cool. I guess part of me wanted him to fight 
the T-Rexes again, and the other part of me was tired of seeing him beat up on T-Rex. I, I mean, I was fine with him not fighting the T-Rex because we've done that yeah. before. Sure, I agree. I, I, and I'm kind of, I kind of felt that way, but I always like any opportunity to put T-Rex on screen. I feel like sure. I'm just going to take. Sure. But I did I did like it. I, I don't know. I kind of thought the new monsters were cool, but here's what is neat. I don't know if you noticed this. I noticed it, or at least I thought I noticed it, because this is from the producers of Godzilla, and we'll talk about it maybe a little bit later, That they, or maybe we'll just jump, dive right into it. This is going to be part of a wider cinematic universe, because now everyone wants to do that with the Godzilla. Oh, yeah. There were, if you, if you, I don't know if you've watched the older Godzilla movies where Godzilla's on Monster Island, a lot of the monsters, some of the monsters from Skull Island, at least, are either, I think, homages or monsters from Monster Island. I did not notice like, that. Like the giant spider. In the Godzilla franchise, there's a giant spider on Monster Island, or huh. the the giant octopus there's a giant octopus in, in the godzilla franchise and all these other things so i don't know if this is monster island from the godzilla franchise but it maybe they might just be making their own right they're going to be big because like some of those monsters were from the godzilla at least i thought they looked like the ones from Monster Island. Yeah. So so speaking of making this part of a larger franchise. Yeah, let's just dive into that before we go any further. The end cre- the the post credit scene. Post credit. So here's what's really funny. I was ready to leave and then I was like, "You know what? Let's see if they do a post credit scene because we're going to review this. I got to make sure I cover my bases." And we're watching the credits scroll through and the girl is with me and she's like, "Hey, they they just trademarked Mothra, Rodan, Ghidorah and Godzilla. I didn't see them in the movie." And I'm like, "Well, maybe there were references we didn't catch." And then the post credit scene shows, <laughs> right? And then they clearly show cave paintings of Mothra, Rodan, Godzilla, and King Ghidorah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's where they needed the trademark for. Yep. Although the cave cave drawing of Mothra, I'm just like, oh, God, Mothra. <laughs> yeah, uh, not that not that great. So It's like a dude trying feel... to catch a giant butterfly. Yeah. yeah. How do we feel? This is interesting because now we're taking King Kong and moving him into an American Toho universe. How do we feel about this? I have to be honest, I'm pretty okay with it. I don't know that I have feelings one way or the other, like positive, sure. negative. I'm going to go see what they're going to, what they put out. You know what I mean? Like I loved the... I love the Godzilla from a couple years ago. I did too. I want to revisit it now. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of want to go back and watch it. I, like, and like, I, I was late coming to it. Like, I saw it. I feel like I saw it like after it came out. Like, sure. a, a good year or so after it came out. So I've, I've seen it probably more recently than you have. Certainly. But you know, I like, I, is it for the most part, I enjoyed myself going to see this movie. So yeah, I mean, I'll go see something else that they put out with Godzilla and King Kong or Godzilla and some of the other other monsters. monsters. Yeah. I mean, truth is, it felt like just from that end credit scene alone. It felt like they were setting up for a destroy all monsters type movie, right? Because it was not just like, oh, here comes Godzilla. We're going to have these two fight. They're like, oh, and Rodan and Mothra. Oh, and the biggest baddie in the Godzilla franchise, King Ghidorah also yeah so it really feels like they're gonna swing for the fences whenever they bring godzilla or this franchise back now what i don't think they're gonna do is they're not gonna give each of the monsters their own uh solo film the way marvel did with superheroes no I like don't we're not gonna so. get we're not gonna get a rodan solo film or a mothra solo film i don't think i i think i mean you know because we, we we joke we joke and we don't but about marvel films being repetitive sure I mean, those would be those movies would be really repetitive. Yes, they would. And I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> like I've seen the like Mothra. I think in the the Toho Mon, to, Toho Mothra in the sixties and seventies had at least three Mothras. And Rodan had a solo film for Toho, and they were cheesy and repetitive. They were fun. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I mean, Rodan, the supersonic 
pterodact giant pterodactyl but like i don't know how an american audience can can go through that well, i guess my my main concern is I, i'm hoping they build the franchise around the monsters and not the actors because i don't know if i'm going to be okay with tom hiddleston Brie larson and john c Riley and that whole crew like coming back again like i want i want different actors each movie yeah See I what could, I'm saying? yeah no i i, I could get behind that yeah, i mean I again just, I, like i'm i'm not particularly married to that group of actors in general anyways i mean like you I said, weren't particularly married to the ones in godzilla either were you no although i liked the one i think i liked them more i think brian cranston and uh the kid aaron, from kick-ass aaron something johnson or something yeah i think i liked them better aaron tyler johnson sorry. there you go i think i liked them better than this group yes i agree although i did really like john goodman and i kind of wish he stuck around the whole movie i don't know i got oh, spoiler i kind of enjoyed watching john goodman get eaten oh crap yeah it was kind of funny um, yeah, that actually. I guess, okay, that's something gosh. else I wanted to point out. There were there were a fair number of like good just just moments. yeah jump moments, little jump scares. Oh sure, no I like, think the 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 older woman sitting next to me because I, I went I went on my own and the older woman sitting next to me she jumped a good eight or nine times. It was pretty fun. No, I I, ag- I absolutely agree with you. I think um this movie did what I think Jurassic World did last uh, two two three years ago was here's why we watch these movies. We want to see monsters, like, eat people. That's, that's, what, what's, that's what's fun. Is we like watching monsters, like, smash and eat people. Like, destroy large buildings, eat Navy ships, and, and eat people. And we got plenty of people chomping in this one. And I, yeah. I truly appreciated it. And, and Jurassic World also gave us Jimmy Buffett running with... Uh, Margarita. With, <laughs> yeah. with two margaritas, double fisting. I will, say, I will say the dude who got eaten by the little pterodactyls in this one, uh, far funnier than the people getting eaten by like, ter- pterodactyls in Jurassic World. Yeah. Like, Although... I did not expect him to get filleted in midair like that took me by surprise i actually i kind of expected them to like you know like the three of them start instead of like getting cutting him i kind of expected them to like pull him into pieces right which would have been a little more visceral it would have but like the thing where they just like one of them just goes and his he just starts coming apart like whoa didn't expect that yeah what was this was this rated r it was a soft r if it was no it's pg-13 yeah no it's pg-13 that's what i thought it was because i was like this is a fairly soft r but it it I would say this is a fairly strong PG-13. I would agree. Yeah, it was for PG-13. I'd give it a good pass. Maybe there's an R-rated version out there that's a little more grim. You know, I almost don't want to see an R-rated version of this, only really? because I feel like it would like the violence would then look stupid. Oh, I don't know. I give it a try. I think you, right. I think you could do it. I I'm think certain it, you could. I think it could be done like a King Kong film could be done rated R. I think given the tone and everything of this film, I think it would come off feeling a little more like um horror slasher no i was thinking like starship troopers i i feel you i don't know if that's a bad thing because i feel like we need more of those movies around i mean i love starship troopers but starship troopers is fucking stupid of course it is but i fucking come on we love it i mean here's the thing i'm not gonna hold (laughs) kong to a great uh, a really high standard here i mean i just I want to see monsters fight and people get ripped up. No, and but I would I would say this is a better made movie than than Starship Troopers. Of course, no, that's true. I mean, twenty years older than Starship, or you know, later. But yes, I I totally agree. I think it would be fun. Oh, I had something. Okay, so we're talking about this Sunday afternoon where I am. It's early Sunday evening where you are, right? Or yep. almost Sunday evening. Yep. This budget, at least according to IMDb, we've talked about this before. It was a hundred eighty-five million dollar estimated budget. 
Yep. That's tough, right? It is. It looks like it's doing pretty well, though. Talk so, so that the uh, from Box Office Mojo, the estimated domestic total for the weekend is 61 million, with another 81 million foreign. So that's 142 yeah. million for an opening weekend. That's a respectable opening. That is definitely a respectable opening. Not as big as the article points out as Godzilla three years ago. Godzilla was a huge opening. Now, when when was Godzilla released, though? That's a really good question. Let me double check real quick. Because I, you know, I was, I've been thinking about this lately, and, and maybe this is a topic for another time to go more in depth into. But I remember when, like, January until, like, mid-April was just a dumping ground for crap. So this is true. And it's kind of changed in the last couple of years where it's truly January, February, and the studios have made use of the March-April time frame. So March is where they kind of experiment well, and these you know, days. You know what I feel like was the first one to really kind of change that? What's that? Hunger Games. Think so? I would have actually gone a little bit further back to 300 and like the Mummy movies. But you're not... In t- I thought I could have sworn Hunger Games was a summer movie, but you you might not be too far off. Uh, now, Hunger Games, I want to say, was three twenty three twelve, so March twenty third okay. of two thousand twelve. No, because okay. I remember I remember it was Hunger Games and John Carter came out right about the same time, and Hunger Games blew up and John Carter tanked. John John Carter tanked hard. Super hardcore. Now, I'm going to look up 300 real quick, and it was a March 9th, 2007 release. And I do remember that doing pretty well. For instance, I mean, but again, a much smaller budget, 65 million, at least according to IMDb. And then opening weekend was 70 million. Yeah, almost 71. Yep. Yeah. So, and I remember like March kind of became a Zack Snyder time because I feel like his other movies like Watchmen and da, 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 what's the other one he did? Sucker Punch were also March releases. I don't think Watchmen was. You don't think? Uh, Let me look. Take a look. I, I got it right here. Scrolling no, down, you're scrolling right. down. You're right. March March sixth. Mar- yep. Yeah. Well, sucker, Mar- sucker punch was. Well, excuse me. March sixth in the UK. Uh. Oh no. No. You're right. No. no I'm sorry. I take it back. Yeah. And sucker punch also. Yep. I don't know where sucker punch is at. That, uh, it was March twenty fifth. Yeah. So I feel like, and that it's not just Zack Snyder. There were a few others like the Mummies started this. So you're right. It used to be a. You remember incorrectly. It was definitely a dumping ground. That's kind of changed in the last couple of years. Yeah. So just kind of going back to our our, our, our original thought, Godzilla yeah. was May 16th. So you're looking at like a more almost Memorial Day at that point. Okay. Yeah, Godzilla probably, that makes a little more sense. That looks a little more, that makes a little more sense. So good. I mean, I, I mean, the end credits, like when they went dark in the end credits and you heard that Godzilla roar, I was pumped, not yep. gonna lie. I was pumped. I, I, I'm ready for this. Now, I think the last thing I want to point out, I didn't think about it, but some I was with uh, the roomies seeing this and it was pointed out that the sequel, like, let's talk about a little bit of the stupid, like Tom Hiddleston slicing through the nasty pterodactyl birds with a samurai sword. Yep. In the green, in the in the really bad CGI green gas yep. the mask, and then all these slices that just looked like they were trying to do shit for the 3D. Oh, yeah. That was stupid. We can all admit that. Yep. It did not ruin the film for me, but it was stupid. No, no. There was no, nothing of the... Uh, of the stupid stuff is film ruining but th- there is still a lot to enjoy in this movie but you just kind of got to walk in going okay there's gonna be some dumb shit yeah there is and there's some of it's actually quite funny especially towards the end of the movie where they're fighting the uh the giant skull crawler monster there, there's some funny parts to it like you see you see it in the trailer where like kong hits it with a tree yeah it was stupid but i thought it was kind of fun the one i uh the guy you know he's got he's got all the the grenade launcher grenades and he pulls the two yes. grenades I'm, I'm sitting here and, oh he pulled 
pulled the spoons before before the monster grabbed him. Yep. Oh. Oh. It was funny though. It was one yeah. of those moments where like you're leading up to this big dramatic moment and then it's a huge anticlimax and then he explodes. Like I thought that was kind of funny. No, no. And like that that kind of thing I I liked. Now I will say I thought that didn't make any sense because it was like this guy if, if there's that one character who I thought was going to survive the movie or had the survival instinct, it was this character and then all of a sudden he's like, "Nah, I feel like dying right now." Also, he has the grenade launcher. Right. <laughs> like he has the launcher. Like I can understand like if you if all he had was the couple of like, you know, little fragmentation grenades. Right. But like start start popping them into this thing's mouth first. Absolutely. Yeah. I just I, I thought and then it was like you were right. He's like, "Oh, he pulled the spoons before he, the monster got him." Cuz like if the monster hits you, you're just going to hit that rock wall. It'll hurt, but you won't explode. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. I, I thought that was like, "Oh, okay. Yeah, that was one of those like moments you're like, that's kind of dumb, but it was funny, so I kind of let it go." Yeah. Like the character I think you're right. Get, swinging back, I think the characters were like not the best written, but again, I didn't watch this movie for character development. Yeah, the I other watched. the other one that was that was kind of eh, especially to, the more you got to know it was like like the teenage air cav kid who was with Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, like at, fr- really at first I was like okay with that guy, and then like I really want him to die. The, yeah, then he got like irritating. Yeah, he totally did. He totally did. All right, I think we've covered about what we can with it. So final verdict on Kong Skull Island: see it, wait for it, don't see it. What do you think? If you're you know if you're a big fan of like monster movies, go see it. If if you're mm-hmm. not, but you're interested, wait for it. Yeah, I, I think I would say I'd say see it also. I think this is this is a fun movie. It is a popcorn movie. If you want to go see a movie where you don't gotta think too much and just enjoy action, I think you've got a safe bet in Kong Skull Island this this month. Yeah. All right. So what are you into? Uh, I've been waging war against the spiders in my garage. <laughs> spiders. And I'm and I'm winning. Uh, I've been cleaning the garage a lot again. Or trying to get ready for getting ready for the kid to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did find out this week we are having a boy. So that's, you know, that's something. That's a thing. Yep, it has a thing. It has a thing. <laughs> I like how on Facebook, Becky posted it with the lightsaber yep. right where its thing would be. So it looked like its thing was a lightsaber. So so, 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 so let me tell you, we you know, we post, posted like the normal, you know, profile picture. Mm-hmm. Kid was not shy. <laughs> like we're doing the ultrasound. Kid was not shy. There you go. Not, not trying to see, trying to see his like his right arm. Mm-hmm. That was tough. Oh. Like he did, didn't like he kind of had like curled up on like next to his like head. Just didn't like he was moving it around. He just didn't want to show us. Oh, okay. You know, but like you know everything, okay, everything. Right? Yeah. yeah, no, everything, everything's good. But you know, below the belt, not at all shy. Not at all. Check it out. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, must have been doing that. Becky and I were watching some comedy specials last night, so we watched Garfunkel and Oates. Oh yeah, very nice. And we watched Gabriel Iglesias' his latest special. How was that? Ah, uh, he's I always like him. Did you see Bill Burr's new special? I did not. I haven't seen it yet either. It's just a lot of people were disappointed by this one, and I'm curious now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll find out. I think it's all. That's I mean, it's mostly I'm mean, you know, just reading some comics for. Well, like when I'm not doing other stuff, is reading comics for for a side project. So cool. What about you? Started getting back into Portlandia and desperately trying to catch up with Archer because the new season's coming out soon and they're they're changing the setting again. Now it looks like a noir setting. Uh, I'm I'm very excited about that. But actually, mostly this month was was not really geeky. It was a, like a lot of politics and history. So, for instance, I restarted uh, the Civil War. Ken Burns, the Civil War. That's always good. I have not seen it in a very long time, and I don't know why the music kind of popped into my head one day, and I was like, let me watch this. And it's again, it's nine parts, uh, and it was from 1990, and I'm two two parts in 
finished the first two, and it still holds up really well. Oh, good. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. It's fantastic. And then just, just some other, like, just reading some essays. Not really like historical essays um, and some, you know, political science essays. I read this one called I Pencil by <laughs> Leonard Reed, and it's about like the genealogy of pencils and where they come from and how no one no one person can build a pencil. And it's kind of a cute. It's told from the perspective of the pencil. Interesting. That's why it's, it's called I Pencil. I think it's really cool. And then just been reading a lot so, of So when, when you say I Pencil, it's more like I Claudius instead of like iPhone? Yes, exactly. It's Yeah, it's gotcha. exactly like that. Because it was written in, in like 56. Oh, okay. Right. So, yeah, more iPencil and iRobot and less iPhone. Like, I, comma, pencil. Yes. Yeah. And then I was reading this other book, a collection of essays by this guy named Thomas Sowell, and they're it's part of a book called Black Rednecks and White Liberals. And believe it or not, some fairly good histories in there about the South and, and kind of like where we think rednecks come from, like the South, turns out. Didn't know this. Northern England, like apparently that's where the word comes from and the kind of behaviors and, and lexicon and all that stuff had no idea. Interesting. Yeah, really, really interesting. It's a fairly long ish essay. Like I found it on audio and it's like two and a half hours. Damn. It's like one of those like 10,000 word essays, but found it to be really interesting. Learned a lot. And if like that's all true, it kind of changes some things for me but that, that's been about it nothing really other than kong nothing too geeky oh yeah i did finish uh this afternoon i did finish the star wars audiobook i was listening to the uh oh em- yeah you did empire's like that. end that was it, it, it was pretty good like yeah it, it ended up right about where i thought it would right it's kind of interesting though it, it definitely that's definitely the end of this like three three book series mm-hmm. but i want i want to see them go more into like the found the founding of the first order mm-hmm. now these are the ones that are released by disney right these are now Yes, these are canon. New new expanded universe. Yep. NEU as opposed to just EU. Yeah, basically. How are they? Are you digging them? Are they any are they remarkably different from the old EUs or what? Oh yeah, the content is remarkably different. Like Oh, okay. Well, cuz I mean the universe just went in a very different direction. It's true. So that's kind of interesting. I, I like the characters. I like what's going on has grown. I mean, the first book, it took me about 3 quarters of the way through the book for me to give a shit. Oh, wow. And you you stuck it out then. It was an audiobook. Oh, yes, yeah, so you can do that. It was an audiobook and I think it was after my eye surgery so I couldn't look at things, so I just <laughs> laid there and listened. <laughs> You're just laying there getting mad. God damn it. Yeah. The the writing is kind of off. Like mm-hmm. I I don't I am crappy enough with grammar that I I can't quite identify like what perspective he's writing from. Oh, well, it's like you know like it it's definitely like third person, but it I you know third person something. <laughs> I don't know what that something is. Sure, I know it irritates me. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Right. So the story's good. The writing is. Is a yeah. little is a little off. Interesting. So you so, still recommend it to people or not really? I think for the content, it's worthwhile. Okay. Uh, the second book, the second and the second book is probably the the best of the three, just because I think it, it 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 does more and you get into the characters a little bit more. Like the first book spends a lot of time introducing characters and and it focuses on a mother and son, and the son's like fifteen maybe. Yeah. And he's super whiny in the first book. <laughs> like like sure. he's whiny in the second and third book, but like he's a little bit older, so a little less so and also you get a lot more of the other characters in it sure so yeah i mean so i'm I'm looking forward to see what they do where they take the expanding universe 
from there. Right. I think the next uh, Star Wars book actually due out is a book on Thrawn. Oh, nice. Because they have brought they brought him back into the expanded universe. So I'm I'm I will probably pick that one up on audiobook when it comes out. That and I really like the guy who performs it. A guy named Mark Thompson just does a, a fan. He did a lot of the expanded universe books before, and he's doing them still, and he does a really good job. Cool. So alrighty then. All right, folks. If you like what we do, make sure you head over to thereforegeek.com. You check on our blog posts on our podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. So once again, I'm Andrew. I'm the Duder. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.